History starts now. It really does. Welcome to K2. It's good to have you here this morning. And, uh, and history, really, you understand, does start now. Uh, your history, your future, it begins right now with the things you believe and the way you act from here going forward. Just like all of those ones, you are one. You're one person that God can use to change your family, change your community, change your school. What does He want to use you to change? You're one, but you see, the thing is, is you know the one. You know the one who made you. You know the one who, who sent His Son to rescue you, to empower you, to change the world through you. God's Word says this crazy thing. It says that He chooses to use things and people that the world looks, like, looks at and says, man, that's rubbish. That's foolishness. That's craziness. And God uses that, you and me, to change the world. History starts now. And what will your history look like from here forward? That's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about this Imagine series. Welcome to K2. If it's your first time, we're in the middle of this series. We're just imagining what it could be like if you and I lived out these qualities that at K2 we, we just hold dearly to. They're biblical values that we feel like God is, has said, as, as my people, as, as Christians, as followers of me, you ought, to, you ought to value these things highly because I value them. And, and last week, do you remember, we talked about the fact that that God gives us all gifts and time and talent and skills. And some of you are amazing salespeople and others of you are amazing uh, administrators and some of you are great teachers. And, and then on top of what God has naturally gifted you as, and you, the, the physical bodies, the health, the mind, the looks, all, the, the stuff that God's given you just by being born and just by being you, on top of that, He's given you spiritual gifts spiritual gifts. God, to encourage one another. God gives us to encourage one another, to build each other up. Some of you have the gift of mercy. Some of you have the gift of, of really loving to, to serve other people. Others of you have the gift of, of giving, and others of you have the gift of, of teaching God's Word and, and, and bringing, it out, bringing out the truth in a situation and communicating what God has for His people. Others of you, of you have gifts that you don't even know yet. And we believe as a church that God has gifted each of us for building up the body. And last week we talked about the fact that if you just keep those gifts to yourself, if you just benefit in your business and in your life with the gifts that God has given you, you've missed the point. Because God wants to use you bigger than you. He wants to make your impact bigger than just your income, bigger than just your family, bigger than just you. He wants to change your community. He wants to change your world through you. And it starts with one. And it starts today. And today we're continuing that because we're just saying, imagine what could happen if we all were giving. If we were all just doing what God wanted us to do and being the kind of people, not only giving of our time and our talents, but we're actually all just giving of the resources that God has given to us into His kingdom work, into His kingdom things. Uh, if it's your first time at K2, just want to let you know... We, we don't, we don't talk about giving all the time, um, but God's Word talks a lot about it. And so occasionally we really touch down because here's what God knows, is that you and I were made 
for it. You and I were made to be, to be givers. And so we're going to get into that just now. Um, you know, we are used to, we're used to leveraging everything we can in our life. Our time and our schedules and our money and our credit. And we're used to, to leveraging all of that to, to just do as much as we can. To, to have as many vacations as we can, to, to own as much as we can, to save as much as we can. We're used to coming up with lots of creative plans for how to do that and, and to invest into the things that we care about. And what God says is, that's from Him. That's how He wired us. That's how He made us. But we need to know that God directs us as well to invest in His things, in His kingdom. And we're going to discover that from His Word today. Hey, would you pray with me as we get started? I always like to pray and just say, God, would you, would you help us to understand today as we go forward. God, history does start now. The rest of our lives begin right now. And the way we act and live, that stuff, it all gets, it, it, it all comes to life. It all gets born out of, of what we believe. And so God, if we believe rubbish, we're going to go that way. And God, if, if we believe stuff that's not true, we, we're going to go that way. But God, if we believe what's right, it, if we believe what you made us for, if we believe what your word says, then God, we, we've got a shot of living that out. And God, I want what you made me for. God, I want to ride the adventure of life, of following you, of giving and seeing you just work way bigger than I can. So God, I pray that you'd teach us from your word today and, uh, and that you would speak to our hearts about what the future of our history looks like. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. If you remember last week, we were in 1 Peter. 1 Peter 4.10 says this. It says, God has given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. Do you remember that from last week? He said, you're a manager of the life God's given you. You're a manager of the athletic, uh, the knowledge, the... All the abilities that he's given you, the work skills, the home skills, the house, the, everything that he's given you, you're a manager of it. And he says, manage them well so that what? So that God's generosity, God's giving can flow through you. Okay? If you've got a house, man, you should think, how can we use this house? How can we leverage this house to show God's generosity to people around us? Okay? Man, we have been the benefit of so many of you, and you've had us over dinner. Some of you have actually had us stay for a bit of time, kind of while we're landing here. And I just want to say thank you. And, and I just want to encourage you, do you think about your life in this way? Do you think about your life to say, everything that I have is a gift from God. Am I leveraging it to its full ability to show God's generosity? Okay, now... If you don't know Christ yet, this is going to sound kind of weird because you don't, even, you don't even know this God that is supposedly generous. But if you know him, if you've believed in him, and if he's come into your life and he's making you a new person, it only makes sense to turn around and say, wow, I'm supposed to be generous because God's given me so much. All right? So that's where we're going. That's where we were last week because he's given us so many gifts. And today we're going to kind of focus in just a little bit on our finances. Okay? And, and, um, and here's why. Do you know, um, even though, see, we don't, we don't talk about this all the time, and, and you and I, we tend not to want to talk about money, and here's why, because the, the image that we see, like we see as we're flipping through the channels, and the dude has a big throne up here, and it's like covered in velvet, 
and he's got on a, like a crazy white suit and, you know, huge comb over hair and powdered and everything. And he's promising to send you, you know, I'll send you books. I'll send you, you know, hankies. I'll send you whatever. You give and I'll bless you. And his wife is over here and she just lost a fight with a paint machine. And, you know, and so we don't, we don't roll that way here. All right. And we're also not going to come and tell you, hey, you owe this much money and give it. Okay. We don't go either of those ways. But here's, here's why we need to talk about money. Do you know that Jesus talked about money more than anything except for the kingdom of God? Check it out. He said, uh, Jesus talked about money when he talked to his disciples. He talked about money more than he did about heaven, more than he did about hell. All right? He talked about money more than anything else, more than immorality, more than sexual immorality, more than, more than obeying or not obeying. He, he talked about it more than anything except the kingdom of God. Eleven of the 39 parables that he teaches on, that the stories that he tells that are about the kingdom, eleven, almost a third of them, are about money. And one of every seven verses in the Gospel of Luke is about money. Jesus talks about it a lot, and, and here's why. Because he knows that you and I were made to be a giver. So let's just jump right into it. And Normally the way I teach, and you might be picking this up by now, is I really like to take one passage and teach through it. I just do because I think that God... When, he, when the authority of what we're talking about comes from a passage, man, it just it makes a ton of sense, rather than me pasting a couple things together. But we only have one day to talk about this, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to encourage you to take your notes. You got a, a handout when you came in, and here's what I want you to consider. Um, I don't want you to just listen to me and say, man, I, okay, I believe that, I don't. I want you to actually, I want you to write this stuff down, and I want you to go and consider it. I'm not going to put all the verses up here. I'm going to shout out some verses to you. Write them down, and I want you to really kind of wrestle with whether or not you believe this. Wrestle with whether or not you think it's right. Okay? So the first thing is that God is a giver. That's the first thing that I want you to write down. God is a giver. Okay? Right from the start, God is a giver. Right from creation, God's a giver. He makes the whole world, right? The Bible says that God holds the universe in his hands. Holds the universe. He made it all. He made man. And breathe the breath of life into him. When Adam was lonely and there was no companion for him, he gave him the gift of a wife and he made her out of the dust of the ground. He took Adam's rib and, and he wove her together just like he did. And he gave. And on top of that, he said to both of them, he said, listen, I give you everything. I give you this whole, this whole garden. I give you all this food. You can have all of it except for the one. All right? He's a giver right from the start. The whole picture of the Bible is that God is a giver. And Satan's lie right from the start, do you remember in Genesis 1? Do you remember Satan's lie right from the start? Do you remember what he lied to Eve about? He said, God isn't a giver. He's a taker. He doesn't want you to know what's really good. He wants you to stay in this lie. He knows that if you eat of this fruit, you'll know everything. You'll know about life and death. He's a taker. He's not a giver. He's not giving you good things. He's taking away from you. And so the lie about God right from the start is that he's not a giver. Okay? And it's important because we're going to find out the next thing is that you and I were made to give. Okay? So the first thing is that God's a giver. Okay? Genesis 1. Second thing is that we were made to give. In Genesis 1.27, it says, God said, let us make man in our image. And so man and woman alike 
He made them, okay? Genesis 1. You can also check out in Genesis 9, 6 that God says that humans are the only thing made in his image, okay? We are like God. We're creators, okay? That's why some of you are so creative, but all of us are creative, okay? That's why we're creators. That's why we're givers. That's why we have an eternal person. That's why we have a spirit. That's why we have a soul. We we relate to God because he made us in his own image, okay? Different than all the other animals, different than the whole rest of the world. He made us in his image, all right? And he made us to be givers because he's a giver. We are made to be givers, okay? And, and we were made to give right from the start, even before, even before sin and, and the law and where it started to talk about giving, we were made to give. And here's, here's what I want you to know. Uh, if you know the creation story, God made the earth on, it made the universe and the earth on day one, two, three, four, five, and six. And he said it was all good, right? Do you understand? You with me? Six days. And what did he do on the seventh day? He rested, okay? And later, the people of Israel started to call that the, the Sabbath, okay? The Sabbath. Now, listen, God, from the start, wove into creation this pattern of, of resting and trusting with him. And, and here's what it became, okay? He said, work six days and rest on, the, rest on the seventh. And here's what it became. It became a day that he said, set it apart, make it holy, set it apart as a day that you rest in me and trust in me as your creator. Because who made everything and gave us everything? God. And he made us to be givers. And so here, here's what I want you to understand. Right from the start, even before sin, he made this pattern and he said, on that seventh day, I want you to trust in me. Now, it wasn't meant to be a legalistic thing about what you can and can't do. And okay, so the, the point about Sabbath is that you trust in him. Let me ask you a question. If you work seven days a week, can you get more done than if you work six days a week or five days a week? Yes or no? It's not a trick question, I promise. If you work more, can you get more done? Yes, you can. There's a certain extent to which if you're working all the time, you become unproductive. But literally, if you work seven days a week, you can get more done. That's why stores are open seven days a week. That's why people work seven days a week, because you can get more done, right? Okay? Now, what does it take if you're a person and God says to rest on the seventh day? If you're a person in the Old Testament in Israel, you're supposed to rest on the seventh day and you're not supposed to work. What does it take... Uh, between you and God for you to, to give that day to him? It takes trust. It takes trust because God said this. He said, if you trust me with this, and remember, this pattern is from creation. This is before Adam and Eve sinned. This is, this is straight from how we were made out of the ground by God. Now, check it out. He says, if you trust me with this, I'll take care of you. If you trust me with this, I will, I will bless you. And literally, the people do it for quite a while. And guess what else he puts in there? He says, every seventh year, I want you to not work the ground. Have you read that? Um, so if you, if you turn, here's a couple things to write down. Um, write down Exodus 20, about the Sabbath. Exodus 20, verse 10 and 11. And then Exodus 23. Okay, he goes further and he says, I want you... Every, are you tracking with me? Do you understand? He says, every seventh year, okay, most of us are, we're all farmers, we got animals. Every seventh year, I don't want you to plant anything in the ground. I want you to let the ground Sabbath. I want you to let the ground rest, okay? And 
And he said, trust me in this. Now, for years they did, and then they started not doing it. And for 490 years, they didn't take Sabbath. They didn't let the, ra- the land rest, and they didn't trust in God. And God said, let the land rest. Let the land rest. I promise I'll take care of you if you'll repent and let the land rest. And they were having troubles, and they were having locusts, and they were struggling to say, how in the world can we not work? How in the world can we trust you with this? Because, because it's so bad. And he said, if you would only trust me with it, you'll see me provide. If you'll only trust me, you'll see me come into your picture. But they wouldn't do it. And so God warned them and warned them, and he sent, because they wouldn't obey, he sent the people of Babylon in to conquer them and take over. And he took them all, killed many of them, and took them away in captivity. And how many years do you think he took them away for? 490 years they didn't take Sabbath years. How many years do you think he took them away for? 70. Because 70 times they should have let the land rest and they wouldn't trust God. And so God took them off the land and he let the land rest for 70 years. Okay? Here's the thing. God wants you and I to trust him with what he's given to us. He's made us to be givers because he's a giver and he wants us right from the start He's made into creation this idea that we would trust him with what doesn't make sense. We would trust him with our farms and our businesses and our our finances and our work. That we would trust him because he is our provider. And the difficulty is, is that you and I get into these patterns of thinking that we are the ones who make it all happen. That we're the ones who earn our income. That we're the ones who manage our investments. That we're the ones who take care of us. And God says, no, you're not. I'm the one. Now, he tells us to work hard, and he tells us to save well and invest well, but, but here's the thing. God is the one that we need to put our trust in. Um, a person that doesn't know this, a person that doesn't know that they were made to give, have you ever met, met a person like that that just is a person who they have plenty, but they, they're consumed with what they don't have. And they need more, and they can't be generous. Have you ever met this person? Have you ever met a person like this? Have you ever seen him? A person who has plenty and just can't, just can't give. Dickens' Christmas Carol is classic, isn't it? Paints a picture of a person who has everything and is trapped inside the misery of it. Just trapped inside the misery of of not knowing that God made us to give what he has generously given to us. And we don't want to be people like that because God has called us to manage what he's given so that his generosity can flow through us. All right, first thing is God's a giver. Second thing is we were made to give. Third thing, everything belongs to God. Okay, everything. Not just your money, everything. Your time, okay? How many of you know that you manage your health? I mean, yeah, you do manage your health to a certain extent, but how many of you can create more days for yourself? All right, it could be gone. On a day like today on the roads, that's a thought in all of our, man, it's a thought in all of our minds. Man, it is dangerous. Life is short. Anything can happen. Every day is a gift from God. Everything belongs to Him. Psalm 50. You can turn there and you can write it down if uh, you don't have your Bible. Psalm 50 says this in uh, Psalm 50, verse 7 to 12. 
Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel. Uh, I am God, your God. Do not rebuke, I do not rebuke you for sacrifices or for your burnt offerings, which, you are, which are ever before me. So here's what, people are bringing sacrifices to him, and he says, I'm not rebuking you for bringing sacrifices. He says, I have no need of a bull from your stall or goats from your pen. See, they were going through the motions of worship. They were bringing their gifts to God. They were bringing their sacrifices to him, and he says, I don't need a bull or a goat from you, for every animal in the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills is mine. I know every bird in the mountains, and all the creatures of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. Okay? God says everything is mine, and that's the picture of the whole Bible, that, that everything is mine. And what God doesn't need is, is our sacrifices. What God wants for you is what he made you for. And so, here's the thing. God made us to give, and, and everything is his, and he doesn't need our stuff. He doesn't need your cash. He doesn't, but he wants you, and he knows that you and I were made to give of our time. We were made to give of our houses. We were made to give of our stuff because that's how he made us. That's what he made us for, okay? So everything belongs to God. Um, and and here's, here's the thing. God commands us to give to him and all, of all that he has given us. You see, so God's a giver. We were made to give. Everything belongs to him. And God has to command us to give to him of all that he's given us. You see, the problem is, is that even though God made us that way, we forget so easily. And we turn into a Scrooge and we turn it all inside. And, and so he has to command us to give, all right? And I realize the C word is strong, but he does. He has to command us because he's a giver and we're so hardwired to go the wrong way and to, to focus everything on ourselves. All right, in Leviticus 27, turn to Leviticus. It's a book in the Old Testament. Leviticus, just before Numbers. Leviticus 27, he says this. Chapter 27, verse 30. Um, he says, a tithe. And the word tithe is kind of a churchy word and maybe you've heard it before. The word just simply means tenth, okay? Ten percent, all right? And he says this. He says, a, a tenth of everything from the land, whether grain or soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. Um, he goes on to explain some different rules. He goes, if you cash it in, you put, have to put another five percent on it. And um, there were some rules for Israel. But, but he says, listen, he says, I own everything. And he says, when you harvest, he said, bring me and trust me with ten percent of it. Just like, just like the Sabbath, he says, bring to me and trust to me 10% of it. That's kind of the baseline, it, just a biblical baseline of, of what we ought to be giving to God. Is, is that, is a tenth. And he says, trust me with it. All of it that I've given to you is yours. Bring a tenth of it for me to do my ministry in the kingdom of God with, okay? Um, go to Matthew 5. This is Jesus himself. Matthew chapter 5. And in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 38 to 42. Um, if you don't have it, you might not be able to, uh, if you don't have your Bible, you might not be able to read it right now, uh, but write it down. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 to 42. He says, You have heard it said this, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't resist an evil person. If somebody strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the left as well. If someone wants to, you, to sue you and take your tunic, then let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile with him, go two miles. Give to everyone who asks of you, 
and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Jesus says right from the start, you've heard it say, man, look after yourself. An eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. You've heard it said that, that, man, if somebody does you wrong, do them wrong back. But he says, if somebody does you wrong, give to them. If somebody sues you, give them that and more. That's not the way we think as people. He says, if somebody forces you to help them, which they could by law, if somebody forces you to help them, then go the extra mile. If, if somebody asks you for anything, give it to them. I want to tell you, I studied this about 10 years ago to preach and to teach on, and it has changed my life. I made a commitment about 10 years ago that I would always give to anyone who asks of me. And it has been some of the most adventurous, best moments of my life because I've said, Jesus, I'll trust you. I'll give to anyone who asks of me. I can't always give them everything they need. And there are some situations where people want to use it for drugs or you know, stuff like that on the street. And I don't give them money for that, but I'll feed them. I'll take them somewhere. I'll give to them. The disciples, when uh, they bumped into somebody on the street, they literally didn't have any money, and they said, man, I don't have any cash on me. They said, gold and silver, have I none? But can we pray with you? And the guy gets healed because they have the gift of healing. And they pray for him, and they heal him. And I would encourage you, man, if, if you don't hear anything else, I would go to Matthew 5 and say, Jesus, what is up with that verse? Give to anyone who asks of you? It's been some of the best rides in my life. I could tell you four hours of stories about it. Maybe not four hours. Probably three anyways. Second Corinthians 9. We're still talking about the fact that God commands us to give to him of all of that he's given us. Remember, God's given us so much. Are you looking at it to, to manage so that his generosity flows out through you? 1 Corinthians 9, chapter 6. Sorry, 2 Corinthians 9, chapter 6. 2 Corinthians 9, chapter 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each man should give what he's decided, what he's made a plan for, that means. What he's made a plan and his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Okay? Old Testament, New Testament, God says the same, that we are supposed to be giving people because he's given us so much. All right? That we're supposed to give generously. And he loves it when we give cheerfully. All right? I'm not telling you today that you've got to give here at K2. Um, there's, some, there's some biblical stuff that you ought to give at the church that you're attending at. But, but big picture, as a follower of Christ, Jesus just hits us right in the wallet, right in the bank account. And he says, you need to give because I made you for it. I made you for it. Have you, ever, have you ever seen when somebody used to, to not be generous become generous? Have you ever seen that transformation? They go from being Scrooge to Scrooge at the end of the movie. Have you ever seen this happen? Well, let's watch it. I say, what's today? Hey? What's today, my fine fellow? Today? What Christmas day? It's Christmas day. I haven't missed it. The spirits have done it all in one night. They can do anything they like. Of course they can. Of course they can. <laughs> Hello, my fine fellow. Do you know the poulterers on the corner? I should hope I did. <laughs> what an intelligent boy. <laughs> do you know whether they've sold the prized turkey that was hanging there? 
Not the little prize, Turkey. The big one. The one as big as me? <laughs> yes, my book. It's hung in there now. Is it? Go and buy it then. Walker. No, no, I'm in earnest. Go and buy it. Bring it back here and I'll give you a shilling. Come back in less than five minutes and I'll give you half a crown. I'll send it to Bob Cratchit's. He shall know who sent it. It's twice the size of Tiny Tim. <laughs> Mrs. Dilber. Merry Christmas. Oh, oh my God. My dear Mrs. Dilber, you're the loveliest creature I have ever laid eyes upon. Dance with me, Mrs. Dilber. Dance with me. Barney, <laughs> Mr. Scrooge. What ends me? He's completely deranged. What a charming woman. I shall love it as long as I live. What an honest face it has. Hello. Hello! Whoop! <laughs> How are you? Merry Christmas! <laughs> Why, it's impossible to carry that to Camden Town. You must have a cab. Drive on, my good man! Man, it's a great movie. I don't care what version you see, watch A Christmas Carol again this, this season, all right? And just be reminded of the transformation that can happen in your life when you go from, from leveraging and focusing everything on yourself to giving to others. It is like that. It's like skating behind a carriage fun. It's the adventure of your life. How many of you have ever been on like a missions trip or in downtown Salt Lake and, and you find that you're giving in a, in a way, in a situation that, man, you never even dreamed of and, and it costs you something, but you feel like you got more than you, than you gave. Do you know what I'm talking about? You feel like, man, I gave something, but I, I ended up getting more than I gave. Um, that's how God made you. That's what he made you for. He didn't make you to be a Scrooge to live life, to leverage everything for yourself. He meant you to learn the joy of managing and stewarding his things for his kingdom. Can you imagine the joy of having $1,000 a month to, um, to say, God, where am I supposed to use this in your kingdom? And where am I supposed to invest this into somebody who needs? For some of you, that's, that's far less than 10%. That'd be fun. All right, so here we go. Uh, God's a giver, 
Two, we were made to give. Everything belongs to God. Three, four, God commands us to give to him of all he's given us. His people were stewards, number five, of all that God has given to us, okay? We're stewards of it. Matthew 25, you've got to read it later, the parable of the talents. God just says, here's how it is in life. In life, I dish out different amounts to everybody. Everybody gets different amounts, okay? He dishes out these to different guys. And he says, listen, I'm coming back, so manage this stuff well while I'm gone, okay? And everybody manages it a little bit differently, and, and they get varying sorts of return, except for one guy. Now, there's one guy who doesn't manage it at all. He just buries it because he believes that the master is an evil master. He doesn't believe that he's a giver. He doesn't believe that he's good. And so he, he buries it. Now, the guy that doesn't even make the story is the guy that not only doesn't invest it, but he spends it all on himself, okay? Maybe that's more like you and I. But, he, but this guy, he, he doesn't even do anything with it. And God says, you're wicked. And it's, you understand, it's, it's not because he buried it so much as he believed wrongly about the master. He believes that the master is wicked, that he's not a giver. And so he doesn't understand investing for the kingdom. And so he says, invest your lives for the kingdom because we're stewards of all that God has given us, okay? Adam and Eve, right from the start, what were they supposed to do? They were supposed to manage the earth, right? They're supposed to manage the earth and the animals right from the start, okay? Um, Number six, when we give as stewards, and the reason I have it in quote-unquote is because when you actually give something to God, it's actually, it's already His, right? So it's kind of funny that we actually even use the word giving. But when we, when we give back into God's kingdom as stewards, it's an act of trust, okay? Just like we talked about with the Sabbath, right from the start, God calls us to trust Him in what doesn't make sense, okay? All of us, we all know that finance, financial times are terrible, okay? Some of us have been affected more than others. Some of us have lost our jobs. Um, some of us haven't. Some of us made a lot of money off the last couple of years, But here's what he says. He says that we are to give to him as an act of trust. To believe, to invite him in to providing for us. Okay? Um, We're trusting God to care for us beyond what makes sense with our finances. Okay, it's an act of trust. Number seven, when we give as stewards, it's an investment that God rewards us for. Okay, in Malachi 3, uh, if you've never read Malachi before, it's, it's uh, in the end of the Old Testament, Malachi, and chapter 3, um, the people have not been giving, and so he charges them with robbing God. He says, well, will a man rob God? Verse 8, yet you rob me. You ask, how do we rob you? He says, in tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. You're not giving to me. And so he says, man, give to me. And invite me into your life and see if I don't pour out blessings on you. See if I don't do it. And he says, test me in this, which God doesn't, when he says it, he says, test me in this one thing. Give and see if I don't provide for you, okay? Because God knows that we were made to be givers. 2 Corinthians 9 says the same thing, that, that we need to invest into his kingdom and he loves it when we give to him cheerfully. Uh, number eight, when we give as stewards, Jesus says it directs our heart to him. And uh, this is man, Matthew 6, uh, verse 21. Turn there if you want to. Write it down. I'd like you to go back there and study it. Uh, Matthew 6, verse 21. Here's what he says. 
Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust and economies take it away. Where thieves... Bra- I added the economies part, if you don't know that. Um, uh, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will, all, will be also. Okay? God literally, Jesus, this is Jesus speaking, he's teaching people that you actually direct your heart where to go. Okay? You, you often think that you follow your heart, but, but that's actually, that, that is true. You do follow your heart, but you have the ability to tell your heart where to go so that you can follow it. Do you know that? You actually, you actually send your heart in the direction of your finances. It was true 2,000 years ago. It was true 2,000 years before that. It's true today. You send your money where your heart goes. If you, if you spend $50,000 on a car, where does your heart go? Into the garage, right? Maybe if you spend 100000 it goes more there, right? But if you spend a lot of money for you on a vehicle, where does your heart go? It goes into that investment. And you take care of it. You make sure it works, right? Even though it's a depreciating thing, you invest time there. You invest energy there, right? Does that make sense? If you invest in a house, it's different than renting, but if you buy a house, okay, where does your heart go? You might not like it, but your heart has to be attached to the maintenance of that property, right? Otherwise, it falls apart. Your heart follows that investment, and you want to make sure that it, that it succeeds. If, if you buy stock in something, all of a sudden you find yourself checking on how that company is doing. Do you really care about the company? You care about your investment because your heart goes there. Does that make sense? You tell your heart which way to go. Does that make sense? Here's what he says. You spend your whole life, your whole life, sending your heart in different directions. And all of them are going to go away. Moth, rust, economies, they're going to steal all of them. He says, invest your life Invest your gifts, invest your house, invest your talents, invest your money in something that will last. And later, Jesus tells his disciples that he pays back a hundredfold. Not double your money, a hundred times your money. Can you imagine, you guys who invest, can you imagine something? He says, a hundredfold I'll return it to you. Okay? Now, this isn't a slot machine. This is an ATM machine, God, where you, you do this and you put this in and you get a Cadillac and Escalade in the whatever it is in the, in the driveway the next morning. God isn't a cheap God who can be bought. He says, if you trust me, I'll take care of you. If you give the way I've given to you, I'll provide for you more than you could have managed for yourself. He says, that's the way I made you. So the band's going to come up, and I just want to talk about a couple practical things. And again, if, this, if you're just getting used to us here at K2, I promise you, you're not going to hear this every week, but if you've been here at K2 for a while, I almost want to apologize that we don't talk about this more often. Because Jesus says this is so central to faith in him. This is so central to our life that, that you could think, nothing of it, and have this whole area of your life where you're just, you're not willing to trust God. And he has so much more for you. He has the joy of Scrooge after, at the end of the movie, of just living life to the fullest. It was there all the time. And he didn't know that that joy could be his.
And so there's a couple things. First of all, do you have a plan? Do you have a plan for how you give? And again, you don't have to give here to K2. You, you can give anywhere in God's kingdom. I mean, we would love it. And, and God's word does kind of say that when, when you come and you fellowship with the body, you ought to give to help take care of that body. And, and so that, that community can do outreach and mission and, and, and pay for its employee, all that kind of stuff. But, um, but it doesn't have to be here because the important part is your trust. But do you have a plan? Um, my parents, um, my parents give, but, and I saw that growing up, but what I learned is that they started with just like five bucks a week. And I always thought it was when I was a teenager, when they gave, you know, more than 10%, I just assumed it all the way back. No, when they became Christians, when they were like 30, they just started with like $5 a week. How much do you give? And have you ever made a plan to make it more? Have you ever said, God, is this the right amount? Have you ever asked, God, what, what do you want with my finances. Do you want me to give? Is there, a, is there an orphan somewhere around the world that, that I need to feed and send to school? Do you know that America spends annually $450 billion on Christmas? $450 billion. To feed, educate, give clean water and housing to all of the orphans in the world would cost $46 billion. There could still be $404 billion left over for our Christmas gifts. I mean, it's all right here, folks. And God could do amazing things. Can you imagine if we all gave? We're about 6000 here at K2. We're about $6,000 below budget every week. If every adult that came, and there's about $1,200 uh, 1200 adults a week, if every adult that came actually just gave $5 more a week, so $20 more a month, um, do you know that we would be over budget? Um. And that's so, like somebody said, kind of joking when we were talking about that, they said, we're just a latte away. You know, we're, it's literally just a latte away from being over budget. Do you know that if, if a thousand people uh, at our church, and there's about 7,000 people who come through um, every, every month or so, if, if a thousand people gave um, at an average of like an income of 40,000, which 40,000 is more than some of you make and 40,000 is way less than some of you make. But if 1,000 people gave, that our, it would be more than double our annual budget. Um, it, would, it would more than double it. Could you imagine what our giving team could do around the world and here in Salt Lake with double the budget that we have? Do you know we wouldn't have to be renting in a place like this? We could actually have lights that stay up every week. Um, it's amazing what could happen if, if we would actually respond to God's word with all that he's given us. Do you have a plan for it? So my encouragement to you is to take it to God. I, I'll tell you, the Bible kind of puts like this, this tithe, this 10% issue out there as kind of like a goal. But maybe you're so maxed out that 1% is, maybe it is a latte away. Maybe a, a $5 is a huge thing. God says, test me and see if I don't provide for you. I promise you. I promise you that if you make it a matter between you and God, I promise you he will show up in your life. If you genuinely take it to him and say, God, this scares me, I want to trust you with it. And I just want to encourage you one other thing. Take an amount of money, 50 bucks, 100 bucks as a family this Christmas. Um, maybe it's something you would spend on dinner somewhere else and don't go to dinner and, and take that money and say, God, with your kids, if you have kids or or maybe with a couple of friends, or, or maybe with just your spouse, take it and say, God, where, where could we give this something special? Where could, we, 
Where could we give this to impact your kingdom? And, and talk about it for a few days. And see if God doesn't give you joy that you, didn't, you, that you never knew as you give it away into his kingdom. History starts today. History starts now. And it's my hope that God would, in us, teach us and encourage us to give more and more of our time, of our resources, of our lives into what matters to him.